Good evening. It's a pleasure to stand with us again. Uh, that was a great video. Thank you, Alan. Um, just to set us up for this evening. So last week was obviously Easter Sunday. We were looking at the resurrection of Jesus, the really the single most important moment uh, of human history that we've ever seen. When Jesus rose from the grave and he defeated sin so that we have the opportunity of eternal life. So it got me thinking, there's about 40 days between Jesus rising again and his ascension to heaven. Um, and in that time, he made an incredibly important statement that we're going to have a little look at tonight. And in essence, really simply put, as Jesus was on the cross, he said, that is finished. He said everything that needed to be completed was completed. And what we're going to see tonight is Jesus said, I've done it, now go and tell people. And tonight we're going to look at why. Why do we need to go and tell people? How do we go and tell people? So if you'd like to turn with me, the passage will also be on the screen. But we're turning to Matthew 28 uh, and verses 16 to 20. Is that readable? Yeah, it's great. Okay. And the passage reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's just pray. Father, as we break open your word, as we look at what it means to go, Father, may you speak to each one of us. May you show us something of your incredible character. May you challenge us and may you lead us closer to yourself. In your name I pray. Amen. So, We've all been to school. Maybe you've been to college, maybe you've been to university, an apprenticeship, some kind of training course. Um, And it's safe to say that some of us enjoyed education more than others. Uh, Some of us found it easier than others. I sadly wasn't on the easy side of that. But no matter what education we do, no matter what kind of training it is, there's always an end point. So... If you're at school, if you manage to hack the whole thing, you've got 13 years. For those of you at the beginning of that 13 years, or not the beginning, but in the middle of that 13 years, it's fun. You've got two or three years of college, four years of university if you hack the whole thing, three years of an apprenticeship, uh, or apparently to become a doctor, it takes a total of 10 years. That's a really long time. Um, And all of these things are time spent learning. They're times when we learn what we need to know to eventually put into practice the skills that we've learned. So the disciples were with Jesus for a period of time, for three years. Why? So that they could learn from Jesus. Jesus taught them, Jesus trained them, and like all training, it comes to an end. In a sense, as Jesus said it is finished, it was like the disciples' training coming to an end. And the Great Commission, what we're reading and looking at, is kind of like the uh, graduation for these guys. It's like Jesus said, I've given you everything you need to know. Now go and do it. Go and tell people. Go and put it into practice. 
you know what you need to do, so go. The disciples' instruction from this passage are pretty clear. That they're to go. That they're to make disciples of all nations. They're to go there to baptise them and to teach them everything that Jesus has commanded them. There's no gaps and there's no exceptions in this passage. We'll see that Jesus has all authority. Make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded. It doesn't say Jesus has a bit of authority. It doesn't say go and make a couple of disciples when you can be bothered. And it doesn't say teach them to observe the bits that we like and we find quite easy of what Jesus teaches us. So we'll open up at the beginning. It's a short passage, so we'll just go through it uh, verse by verse. Looking in verse 17, we read that the disciples worshipped Jesus. The disciples, these men, these Jewish men, for whom the first and the second commandment said they can only worship God. They can worship one true God and that's it. You can't worship anybody else. They went and they fell down and they worshipped Jesus. Why? Because they knew that Jesus was God. And the worship that they gave him was reserved for God alone. We notice as well from this that as they bowed and worshipped, some were doubtful. Some wouldn't believe, like we see with Thomas, who wouldn't believe until he put his hands uh, in the nail marks of Christ. Until he put his hands in the spear-pierced side of Christ. Because he wanted additional proof. Whether this is talking about one of the disciples, more likely it probably means there's other people uh, round about this here. And I think it's incredible that those that spent the most time with Jesus will worship him. If you want to come and spend three years with me, you will not be worshipping me at the end of those three years. I can tell you that much. These guys spent day and night with Jesus. They saw the challenges that he faced and they saw the oppositions that he faced. They seen him when things were going well or more often when things were going pretty badly. They'd seen him in circumstances and when enemies were closing in round about him. And they saw him when the miracles were at his left, were at his right, and when the people wanted to make him king. These guys saw everything of Jesus. So there's three things I want to highlight to us. The points will be pretty clear. This is our first point in chapter 18. It's all about God. I'm really sorry to tell you, but it's not really about us. It's all about God. Why? Because God is the great authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I don't know if you were like me, but when I was a kid, you know, you kind of take everything that your mum and dad say just at face value and you're like, that's fact. You know, that's right. Why? Because my mum and dad told me. Because my mum and dad are right. And if you ever heard somebody say something that went against what your mum and dad said, even as a four-year-old, you're like, no, I don't agree with that because you're wrong. Because my mum and dad are right. In reality, my parents, nor your parents, have all the authority in the world. But what Jesus is doing here is he's claiming the power and he's claiming the right to exercise his authority. Every bit of authority that exists, that there is, is right here in Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. 
He's saying if anybody says anything that disagrees with what I'm saying, ignore it. Because everything that's important, every bit of authority, everything that matters that could possibly exist belongs to a man who was dead a few days ago. It means that when we read, we don't disagree with what the Bible tells us. We don't go, I don't like that bit, hide it, seal it. Because when Jesus said to his disciples, follow me, what did they do? They dropped everything. They dropped their fishing nets. They dropped everything they had round about them. And went, I'm going. They said, I'm going to follow Jesus because I know that's what I need to do. They didn't say, okay, Jesus, I now kind of, in a little bit of my heart, now kind of follow you and we're good. They dropped everything and they went. Why? Because they knew the authority that Jesus had. Because they took God in his word. They went and they literally followed him. What this means, what this verse means for us, is that we can't pick and choose. It means we can't pick and choose the parts of our lives that Jesus has authority in. Because his authority is universal, because it's conclusive, because it's absolute. None of us will get this perfect. None of us will ever be sinless. None of us will ever truly see Jesus as our authority in every aspect of our life. And our call to make disciples isn't just to our nicest neighbours, isn't just to the people that it's really easy to get on with, but who's it to? It's to all who haven't heard the good news that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again. It means that if we want to teach what Jesus taught, we need to know our Bible. It means if we're commanded to go and teach people what Jesus says, we can't go and teach people what Jesus says if we don't know what Jesus says. If I turn to you right now and ask, I won't put any on the spot, don't worry. What does the gospel mean to you? And if we're struggling for an answer, go away and read. Read the Bible, read of what Jesus did, how Jesus spent his life. Why Jesus went to the cross. To learn the word, to soak in the word, is what we need to do. That's how we know it's all about God. Think of all the ways that Jesus showed authority in his life. He had authority over sickness, over hunger, over demons, over the wind, the waves, human hearts, and even death. I think that's absolutely awesome. And why does Jesus feel the need to tell his disciples that he has all this authority? He does it because when he tells them to go, when he tells them to go and take the gospel throughout the world, they can know, we can know, that moment by moment, that day by day, we can lean on God. It also means that when we're sent, we inherit the authority of Jesus. That means that we can stand unashamed. It means that we can stand fearless. And it means that even when the most... Sorry. It means that even when the most difficult of circumstances and situations arise, it means that we can be confident and stand with boldness. Is that me?
Okay, we're good. There we go. Sorry, problem solved. So it means that with God on our side, we're capable of incredible things. It's about God and it's not about us. In the letter of 2 Corinthians that Paul wrote, he says, We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does it mean to represent Christ? It means that we make the ultimate plea to mankind. It means to say, turn from your sin. It means to say, be reconciled to God. Why? Because God is good and man is bad. Because peace, rest and joy is found in God. Reconciliation is possible. That's the message we need to take to the world. My question is, do you see Jesus as your ultimate authority? Do you feel able to talk to your friends, to guys in your class, to colleagues at work? Do we feel able to talk about Jesus? I know it's not easy. It's never easy. But I'd encourage you to read 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. To pray for boldness and to see Paul's boldness as he proclaims Jesus. To read his plea for us to take the good news to the world. There we go. Secondly, and most importantly, we read, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We saw the great authority, now we see the great command. Jesus died and what did he say? He said, go. He said, you saw me rise from the grave, now go and tell people that don't know. There's a lot of people that don't know. There's a lot of people then that don't know. There's a lot of people now that don't know. Salvation is a gift given freely to us from God. There's nothing we do to achieve it, nothing we do to deserve it, but it's purely by God's grace that we receive it. And it means that in a moment we're justified. In a moment God says, you are my child. And what it means is when we become saved, we start this process, a word called sanctification. We start, the moment we believe, we begin to serve. It means we begin to walk with God. We begin to follow God. We begin the race. You know, each one of us will have to stand on judgment day. To stand before God. And if God asks you, I told you to go and make disciples. Did you do it? I don't know about you, but that's really scary. That's a really scary question to think if I'll be asked. We can't, in that moment, hide behind our churches. We can't hide in our churches. It means we have to do. What are we doing? Are we going? Are we teaching? Where's our heart? 
Do we have a passion to go? Do we have a burning desire to see the communities, to see the streets of Scotland changed by a church that is so focused on going, by a church that is so focused on making disciples? I don't know if you read the uh, statistics that came out last week. The church census um, for 2016. And these are the stats. And from what I've gauged, these are pretty optimistic stats. It says that we see 390,000 people in church uh, regularly attend church in Scotland at the minute. That's 7.2% of the population. That's down from 17% of the population and 850,000 in 1984. And if trends continue by 2025, it will be 5% of the population at 290,000. The question is, are we going? Are we going and are we making disciples? According to that picture, it doesn't really look like it. As a church in Scotland, it doesn't really look like we're doing it. The picture is pretty depressing. The numbers don't look good. But at the same time, you know what? I find it really exciting. I find it exciting because it means opportunity. It means that if we're truly geared to going into the world, to going into our streets, to talking to people about Jesus, that these statistics can change. And each one of us has an equal responsibility. Each one of us has an equal power to go and to teach. Are you moving in this command? Are you getting better at this? Are you moving in your walk with God? Thirdly, he says, and behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. This shows us the great promise. That when we go, when we make disciples, Jesus is with us. It can be easy for us to say, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Or I'm not gifted to go. This wasn't directed at people with the gifting to go. This is directed to all of us. Why? Because our call here, what Jesus is commanding of us, is the same. It can feel easy to say things like, if I reach a certain level of spirituality, then I can serve God. If I sort my life out in this area, then I'll have enough time, then I'll go and serve God. But sadly, if that's the attitude, we don't. We don't go and serve God. The mark of a true Christian isn't sinlessness. It's not perfection. But it's about proceeding. It's about continuing. It's about going on and following. There's an old Chinese proverb. I'm sure you've all heard it. That the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is now. It means that there's always time. Don't look back at what could have been, but look forward to what can be. There's always time for us to get back on track. Why? Because God is with us. 
Jesus has all the authority in heaven and air. He took the wrath of the Father and that we so equally deserve. And he atoned for it with his perfect sacrifice on the cross. That, that is the God that is with us. When we go, Jesus is with us. The sacrifice of Jesus, the empty cross, that's why we're here, that's why we gather, that's why we worship. You know, God loves nothing more than when we obey him. But obedience isn't meant to be lonely. Because God is with us always. And I know we hear this a lot, but Jesus loves you. Not in a cute, smiley face, cuddly, cuddles are good, so kind of cuddly, kind of way. But in a way that Jesus took everything that you've ever done wrong, everything that I've ever done wrong, everything that all of us have done wrong. And he took it all and he said, I love you so much, I'm going to take it and I'm going to die for you. Jesus says, Jonathan, I'm with you. And Jonathan, I love you. Jesus didn't just love me the day I became a Christian, but Jesus continues to love me. And all of my sin and everything I do wrong, Jesus says, Jonathan, I love you and I died for you. He says, I won't desert you. He says, I'm with you always. In the darkest moments, God is there. In the best moments, God is there. And in those moments, I have quite a lot of them. When you kind of wish God wasn't there, God's still there. Because God is always with us. I don't know if you know, but St. Patrick eh, had a really cool prayer. And he said, Christ in front of me, Christ behind me, Christ beside me, Christ above me, Christ below me. Christ everywhere around about me. That's not quite how it went, close enough. And it's just this great picture that everywhere we go, Jesus is everywhere. Why? Because he's always with us. And I want to close and leave you with this. John sixteen thirty three. I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Do you know the peace of God? Do you know the peace, the content, and the steadfast love that never changes? If you don't, it's never too late to know it. We can never be too far gone for the cross of Jesus. All he asks is we turn our backs on our past and we follow him. Literally follow him like the disciples did. Everything that we don't want other people to see. Everything that we're ashamed of. Everything that weighs heavily on us. Stuff that holds us back from God. The phenomenal news is that the cross of Jesus that is now empty is bigger than your sin. There isn't a moment that Jesus regrets dying for our sins. There's nothing we can do that can surprise him. And there's nothing that will make him regret.
So here's my question to close. Are you prepared to go? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to literally follow Jesus as he commanded? Because it's the most exciting, the most difficult, yet the most incredible journey that is possible. Are you prepared to go? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the incredible work of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Lord, that we are able to be reconciled to you. That we're able to be given the chance of eternal life, God. That we are secure in you. Father, I pray that as we go into this week, Lord, would you challenge us to go? Lord, would you give us opportunities to go? To speak to those at work, at school, round about us about you. About the incredible promises that can be found nowhere else but in Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.